Mini-episode 1498 of the FDH Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at Sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late-night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. Hello and welcome to FDH Lounge mini episode 1498, our analysis of the Vince McMahon retirement. I'm FDH managing partner Rick Morris here with our top five questions about an unprecedented moment in the history of wrestling. Number five, what's the bombshell in the making that caused this? The skepticism that this pay-for-play scandal would bring down Vince always seems stupid and ill-informed. The previous two incarnations of the 15-year itch, the steroid scandal that broke in the winter of 1992, and the expose of the wellness program as a farce after the Benoit murder-suicide awfulness in 2007, were before the ubiquity of social media and before the Me Too era. The only way that Vince could keep his company insanely profitable, while never deviating from his own out-of-touch vision, was to divorce it from the whims of the marketplace in the form of live audience and network subscriptions, and put everything in the hands of a few uber-wealthy stakeholders, Saudi Arabia, NBC Universal, and Fox. The Saudis clearly care nothing about bad PR, but the TV entities paid for a family-friendly product, and Vince living out the genetic jackhammer gimmick at the expense of vulnerable female underlings ain't that. Plus, since Vince's vision was based on endless recycling of part-timers for the big events instead of building new stars, The Rock and John Cena have disproportionate power, and rumors were that both were uncomfortable being tied to the product at this moment. You live by the swords, you die by the swords. But what caused these swords to allegedly revolt and force this moment? The conventional wisdom is that a bombshell much more heinous than anyone has reported yet is set to be made public by some major media outlet, and if so, it must be very bad to have forced Vince, a man with no hobbies or outside interests, into something that he swore he'd never do. Also, can we take just a moment to examine all of the people and entities that outlived Vince McMahon in the wrestling game? Austin Idol, Ring of Honor, Jim Crockett Promotions, and the in-ring careers of Ricky Morton and Ric Flair. Number four, John Laurinaitis is already essentially gone. How long does it take to clear out the other stooges, and who forms the new kitchen cabinet? Bruce Pritchard, Kevin Dunn, and a few other suspects owe their entire careers in the Fed to one man, who is now on the outside looking in. Their only hope of keeping their jobs is if the heat on Vince dies down to where he dares to come back, which seems unlikely in light of the aforementioned alleged bombshell that is pending. The wholesale freshening changes to the product desired by so many wrestling fans will be held back by the stooges of the old regime who only know about one playbook. Also, Dunn's insipid and ever-worsening style of direction with camera cuts at the speed of strobe light, will continue to pollute this product as long as he's kept in his job. The McMahon family has long publicly abided by the polite fiction that they're all on the same page and there are no palace factions warring against each other, 
So Steph and Hunter have to save face by making changes incrementally, but they are coming, in all likelihood, as the likes of Jeff Jarrett, Shawn Michaels, and others seem poised to step up. And don't forget the master politician, the road dog, presently campaigning shamelessly on Twitter for his old job back. Everyone involved in the new Politburo will work with Triple H to solve the next question. Number three, what does the replacement of an audience of one look like? Whether it be the forcible insertion of juvenile humor or lowest common denominator elements into every corner of the presentation, the refashioning of NXT from a place of great pro wrestling into a haven for green workers who match the vision of an out-of-touch man in his late 70s, or the big man fetish that has held back the company almost every time it's been indulged in the last 30 years, something new will be coming. If wrestling fans are lucky, it'll be a lot like the previous version of NXT. The idiotic linguistic fixations, like not saying pro-wrestling or belts, should be a thing of the past. Emphasis on in-ring work should, fortunately, take on increased importance. Insulting the intelligence of fans with inconsistent and contradictory storytelling should, as much as humanly possible, be a thing of the past. The end of the brand split may or may not be possible given the stance of the networks, but unification of the women's titles should follow the men's major titles in that regard, and it now seems more likely that Sasha and Naomi could be back as tag champions and that others purged in the last few years could make their way back. The incredible treatment of Cody Rhodes' return, which happened out of Vince's desperation for a big-time babyface, serves as a template that could set the stage for others to jump from AEW or New Japan if the company gets stabilized. Speaking of which, number two, will WWE open its own forbidden door? Realistically, a supercard with AEW and or New Japan is way too complicated for all involved. But what about on a smaller level? Could the Mickey James Royal Rumble appearance serve as an example for cooperation with Impact? What if the MLW lawsuit got quashed by setting up a cooperative agreement that could lead to that promotion getting paid for its footage to join the network and some level of co-promotion back and forth? Triple H has always said that WWE is open for business with everyone, but Vince always put a low ceiling on what that could look like. With him out of the picture, maybe the company can get some good buzz and promote fresher talent by looking outside its traditional boundaries. Number one, with the sale of the company now more likely than ever, could all of these points be moot? The biggest obstacle to a wholesale acquisition of WWE was the absurd notion that Vince could ever step away from his own product. But now that circumstances have forced his hand, and the next TV deal is looming, is the window right for Nick Khan to complete the trajectory that many have always suspected was his endgame? There is absolutely no assurance that Stephanie McMahon, Triple H, or anyone else involved with creative will still have the book if the company is owned by anyone outside of the McMahon lineage, such as NBC Universal, Fox, or Disney. Consider the only precedent for such a move in pro wrestling history when Turner Broadcasting bought out Crockett in late 1988. Dusty Rhodes lost the book and within a few months made his way back to New York. Does Cody bring everything full circle by resuming his career as an executive in the post-McMahon WWE with creative control? And what's Jim Hurd up to these days? We await the answers to these questions and much, much more. Thank you for joining us for this mini-episode of the FDH Lounge.